Good to see you here this morning. And if you are here for the first time, we're really glad that you're with us. And we hope that you'll find our time to be uh, helpful and profitable in the things of God. Um, we're Parkside Bible Fellowship. Uh, we're by no means uh, arrived or perfect or whatever. Yeah, Dale kind of mentioned that already. Um, we want to humble ourselves before God and this time in His Word. Uh, we are in a series in the little letter of First Thessalonians, and we want to continue in that. We'll continue in it today and next week, and then uh, the two Sundays right before Christmas, we'll have a couple of Christmas uh, uh, messages for you, and we'll uh, be looking forward to that. Also, um, please remember to be praying about our, our candlelight service. That's always such a special time in the life of our congregation here. Um, a lot of people from out of town come and, and you invite them and others come because it's a, um, it's a special, intimate time here. And I p- want to a- encourage you to join us in praying for this time uh, uh, as we go through the Christmas season again. You know it. So many people just get fired up because it's Christmas and now it's time to go to church. <laughs> and um, I thank the Lord for you. Uh, coming, you, you folks that come on a regular basis, I, I thank the Lord for you. It's a joy to open up the Word of God, and that's what we'd like to do right now. And um, so, uh, let's do that, and let's ask God's blessing on our time as we get started. Dear Lord, we do recognize that we have such a tendency to uh, think that we've got things together in a good way and we've got all of our uh, all the things in our right box and we categorize things in just the right way Uh, lord uh, you are so patient with us and you love us and yet you are not uh, willing to let us stay where we're at you want us to grow please help us in our time to really welcome your word and be hungry for you and to thirst after you and Lord help us to be dealing with these distractions in the right way not to just walk away from them or try to escape them but to deal with them properly Lord in your way with your wisdom and your guidance thank you for this passage that we're going to look at Um, you're the author of this good wonderful book that brings life to us. So bring life to us right now, we pray. And help us to go in your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's because God gave us life that we are here. I know I didn't wake up thinking that this morning necessarily. God gave you life And so you are here. And so it is for us to respond. But the problem is, our first parents didn't respond properly. They sinned and rebelled against God, and you and I followed in their footsteps. We sinned. And yet God, even back there in Genesis, put together, he had already put together the plan. He knew it ahead of time, and so he did. He brought forth Uh, life again for his people and that's what we have that's the 
That's the response, or that's the plan that God laid out. He, he brought life. We rebelled. And now here's the plan uh, to draw you to himself through the Messiah. And for many of us, that's what he's done. We've come to faith in Christ and we know that we are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's the matter of now, have, have all of us here, have we responded to his offer of new life in Christ? And I say that to get started so that we connect. Uh, chapter 1 in 1 Thessalonians is about, uh, we talked about it the last couple of weeks, it's about a changed life. A changed life. The people at Thessalonica were changed. And why were they changed? Because of the gospel. Okay? So that's chapter 1. A life change. Because of the gospel. Now chapter 2. We're going to jump into chapter 2 here. And do our best to get after the first 12 verses. Okay? And in chapter 2 now. It's about how the gospel is delivered. How it's done. Here's ministry. Okay? And... Don't you dare, don't you dare turn this off now because you're not involved in leadership. Oh, I'm not involved in church leadership, so I'll check other things and think of other things. No, because that's, that's wrong, that's a cop-out. This is something that we all, as saying that we're believers, we have to connect with this. Okay, we, we must connect with this. Here's the gospel that's brought about change. Have you received Jesus Christ? Well, you've, you've heard the gospel and you've responded in faith. Okay? So now we go to chapter 2 and chapter 2 reveals marks of a true ministry. The ways that the gospel is put forth for others. And so that's why it's important that we connect with this because we need to be tracking with what ministry ought to look like. Whether it's ministry coming from myself or ministry as a group and we're together. Okay? So Paul shares these ministry qualities and then at the same time, he shows how or describes how ministry leaders should then function. The gospel message is at the heart of all of it here. Now we go into chapter 2. The gospel message is, is right there. At the core of ministry. Now, the problem is, in our day, in our age, ministry has morphed into something that looks like a professional, I don't know what you want to call it, like Slick stuff. Slick programs. Flawless presentations. If you, if you knew of all the times I mess up in leading singing. Yeah. And, you know, the, the point is, we, all, uh, we go to, you know, maybe you, you go in to visit a bigger church somewhere in some other bigger city, let's say. And it's like, you, you, wow, they, they got it together. Right. And yet that's almost like a a wrong perspective for us. 
well, it's great that they put it all together and have it all together. But really, the perspective ought to be coming from the word, not from some slick presentation. Okay? We always have to discern what we see from the word. Always. And that's the challenge of, of life a lot of times, is that, you know, we're so accustomed to seeing things out there and we don't go back to the word and discern it from the Bible. And then we get caught up in stuff in ministry that maybe is, is in matching what the Bible says is, is ministry. Okay? Now, here's another part of it is the leaders of ministry are really stewards. People come and say, oh, there's the pastor. He's, he's in charge. Well, to, I mean, there's some things that I have to decide and deal with that make me look like, but I, I want to call the other elders of the church and, and pull them in on it so I'm not the lone ranger kind of guy. And that's what a good church has is strong leadership. Strong leadership. And leaders are really, when you get right down to it, leaders are stewards, aren't they? And what's a steward? A steward really owns nothing. What he's doing is he's responding to his master and running the business, if you will. Or running the, you know, whatever it is. He's in charge. He's responsible to manage or run things for the master. And that's really what leadership is ought, ought to be about. Is that we're, we're just stewards and we need to do things in such a way that honor the master. It's his, his church his body. He's the head of the body. And so the, the message of the gospel is a treasure that God has entrusted to us. And here's leadership in the church who need to then show themselves as leaders, good stewards in the ministry. It's just, it's a constant thing of here's, here's gospel change and here's maturity and here's example of what it is like to be more and more mature in the faith and we see someone more mature in the faith we want to say hey would you consider about being a deacon or elder in the church that's what we want to do in regards to ministry so authentic ministry here's here's our first point authentic ministry then stands strong as we look at chapter two we see these first two verses. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in God, in our God. We have the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. Or amid conflict. We just heard about it today in Dale's uh, report from Jack Shiflet. Can you imagine being in ministry in a place where there's literal war going on and conflict going on? Shooting, bombs, rockets. And these folks saying what? Hey, let's go back in there. Why? Well, ministry stands strong. Authentic ministry stands strong. Okay? And it stands strong 
in the face of opposition. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You can mark it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. So why, why do I say that here? Because when they went to Philippi, that's what he's referring to, they went to Philippi and what happened? They got thrown in jail. They got whipped and beaten. And what did they do? They kept marching. They kept coming and they went to, oh, Thessalonica. And what happened there? Uh, Opposition. A riot started. (laughs) Did that stop? Oh, second time. Yeah, let's just go home. They didn't go home. They kept going, kept preaching. And here's the thing, folks. We typically go like this. We say, oh, well, that's Paul and Silas and all of his guys. But you know what? That was authentic ministry. That wasn't some upper echelon of ministry. That was guys just responding to Jesus Christ and the spirit within them. And so it is when you respond in your circle... You're responding in a ministry way. And it's not just by saying this. Oh, well, come to our church. We've got a great program for Awana. We've got a great program for students. No, you don't do that. It's not about program, is it? Is it? It's not about program. It's about the life that's within the gospel. The life that's then, you know, carried on in ministry. That's why I'm excited about being in ministry. I can't say I've led, you know, 50,000 people to the Lord or whatever, like Billy Graham or whatever. You know, I can't even say I've led 100 people to the Lord. But you know what? I want to be available for that. And then I want to encourage people in their walk, in their faith, so that they grow. And it's not just a, a flop of a thing. Say, you know, where people kind of say, ah, yeah, that Christianity, I I tried that, didn't really work. Now, that brings up the idea, well, maybe they never really came to know the Lord. But when you, when a person really comes to know the Lord, what happens? A life is changed for good. And then getting involved in ministry is, it's exciting. Because now, more and more, uh, effect is taking place. And I tell you, we, we still need help in the nursery. And we say, well, uh, you know, I, uh, I can't handle the nursery. Well, then pray, you know, and ha- ask God for help in, in spreading the word. I mean, all sorts of things. And yes, you can have an investment in the little lives of those ones in there. You say, yeah, really? Yeah. When you sing songs with them, when you read to them, there's an investment for eternity in their lives. The Word of God is being dropped into their hearts, in, you know, planted in there. And that's the idea with, you know, if it's an adult ministry. Here's, here's the idea. We want to give forth the Word of life to people. Okay? So, what made... This, uh, we say, here's our first point. Ministry stand, authentic ministry stands strong. So what made it strong? Their willpower? 
No, it wasn't their willpower. It was the message of the cross empowered by the Holy Spirit in their lives. True ministry will be strong. True, authentic ministry will be strong because of the inherent life within. And what is that life? A really charismatic preacher. A really great song ministry, whatever. No. The gospel ministry. The gospel ministry. The gospel message. We've got to understand that. What will bear fruit for God's glory? Having a great organized plan? Well, God can use that. But what will bring forth fruit for God's glory for eternity is the gospel and then us taking the gospel wherever we go in whatever ministry we have. So, authentic ministry will stand strong. Number two, authentic ministry stands true. Stands true. Truth is implied here as the source out of which ministry flows. Now, follow along. Look at verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. Watch this. For our exhortation... Here's another example of speaking. Fourth, exhortation. Our exhortation does not spring from, have its source in, what? Error, impurity, or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men either, from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. That's the second point here, is that authentic ministry stands true. Letter A, apart from any false methods. Apart from false methods. The Old Testament and the New Testament record Instances of error, impurity, and outright deception of false ministers, along with the report of God's people being lured away to follow them. You say, really? Yeah. Even within the people of Israel. What about the way of Cain? This is coming from Jude. The little letter of Jude serves a great warning for New Testament believers. The way of Cain. What was that? Just trying to do his own good works. He tried to do his own good works. He off, what did he offer? He didn't offer a blood sacrifice. And yet he thought, well, here, here's, here's my sacrifice. But it wasn't pleasing to God. And that way of Cain continues on all throughout religion. Religion offering up offerings to God, but it's not pleasing to him. And not a one of them will be pleasing until they bow the knee to Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood for our redemption. So, there's a, a, a way of error. There is the, the way of Cain. Also, in Numbers 31, the, the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam. And then the rebellion of Korah. Those are, are listed in the Old Testament as examples of this. Of going after... Here's Here's methods of error, impurity, or a way of deceit. You know what the error of impurity ended up being with the, the counsel of Balaam? Intermarry. 
Just get them to intermarry. That's how you'll take care of the people of Israel. Isn't that something? Impurity. So, back in that time of Thessalonica, stay with me on this. Back in that time, many false religions and false teachers were busy at promoting their trade. It's like another group comes rolling into town and it's here's their presentation of the latest of the whatever kind of religion is put forth to the people and they're trying to reel people in out of wrong methods okay so we understand you know even if looking and studying over a, um, a, it's a even a brief study of cults nowadays will quickly result in each one showing these things in their, quote, ministries. And it ends up being a, a crazy mess. When a, when a, listen to this. When a person truly starts thinking about, you know, I need to get right with God. And that's just something that started in them. And they go look, they look in the yellow pages. <laughs> I mean... It, it is. It's a mess how to discern, you know, what's, what's the best place to go to? <laughs> and it is. There, that shows a miracle from God in guiding that seeker to a place where they can hear the, what? The gospel. Okay? Then, letter B. Authentic ministry stands true. And it's a, because it's approved by God, verse 4, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as men and pleasing men, but God who examines the heart. So there's, you know, here's ministry that wants that confirmation. How do you know? Well, it's in studying the word. And then responding with wanting to say, let's please God in this, not man. Okay? So the main point in those days... You know, here's who was approved by God in those days? Apostles. What did Paul have to do? Frequently he had to defend his what? His apostleship. And many would uh, make accusations against them, those traveling missionaries. They would make all sorts of accusations. And really, that's what's going on in this section of 1 Thessalonians 2, where Paul is, in a sense, responding to accusations that are leveled against him. They, they would uh, let the people know, you know, these guys are phony. You don't want to follow them. And so apostle, the apostle was critical. Why? Because he was one who, remember, he was one who witnessed the resurrection of Christ and the risen Jesus. Okay? So, that's letter B. Letter C. Authentic ministry stands true because it's assessed with pure motives it's like an assessment and this is what happens in verse 5 and 6 look at it we never came with flattering speech as you know nor with a pretext for greed god is witness nor do we seek glory from men either from you or from others even though as apostles of christ we might have asserted our authority so here's this he's in a sense there's an assessment of pure motives going on let us see so he never came with impure motives like others 
He never came with flattering speech. What is that getting at? That's where people will use exaggerated speech. I like this definition. And this is, um, it was called the, the practice, get this, the practice of tailoring truth to fit popular opinion, flattering speech. It's really the opposite of being bold with the gospel. It's really trying to draw a favorable response from the crowd. Flattery, flattering speech. Um, let me just throw a little shout out to you young ladies with flattering speech. Those of you that are single, please beware of flattering speech. Yeah, I'm going to trip over this here in a little bit. Don't worry about it. Please listen, young ladies, beware of flattering speech. It's really empty. You want to learn of a man's heart before you just listen to what he's saying or as you're listening to what he's saying. Make sure you're, you're tracking with, is this guy, you know, is he tracking with the Lord in his life or is he just saying stuff? Okay? It, very important. So, and so we, they never came with flattering speech. And they did not come with, listen, they didn't come with a pretext for greed. What's that about? They didn't come putting a mask on. A mask over what? Their covetousness. A mask over their desire for greed. They didn't, these guys, Paul and his team of ministers did not come with a pretext for greed. And then verse six, they did not seek glory from men. Implying how, listen, they're implying something here, implying how that honor and respect can come from people, from a a following. And yet how that takes priority in the leader's life. It is. It's, it's a very alluring thing. You know, whoa, you know, so-and-so has, you know, 2,000 people in, in membership. And so-and-so has 5,000 people in their membership at their church. And notice subtly, it's about their church. <laughs> so it's very easy to fall into this thing of seeking glory of men. You know, after a service... You know, if each and every one of you came up and, oh, Woody, such a great job, and pat me on the back, way to go. You know, I have to really fight this myself. It's like, you know, because it's innate within any person. We want to do good at our job, right? Every one of us wants to do good at our job. And especially in ministry, wow, you know, you do such a great job at that. Yeah, thanks, man. And, and that little subtle thing of glory, seeking glory, comes up. I wrestle with this. I wrestle with it. I tell the elders I wrestle with it. So it's something that we need to be on the lookout for. So authentic ministry stands true. Apart from false methods, 
It's approved by God and it's assessed with pure motives. That's what we want. We want to go out, go, you know, have ministry happening out of pure motives. And each one of these are very identifiable today in the church. You turn on the TV and you take this passage in 2 Thessalonians 2 and you compare it with what you're seeing on TV. Do you realize what's happening? There's so many guys out there going after ministry in the wrong way, with the wrong motives. It's, it's so clear, and yet we don't really discern from the Word of God what's really going on. And so we just say, well, the guy's reading the, from the Bible, and they're singing songs that I know and I like. But what's behind their ministry? What's, what's some of the motivation behind it? Using flattering speech. Listen, the use of flattery of speech, you will rarely hear people confronting sin. Why? Because they want to kind of throw out the, all the nice talk. Right? They want to tailor the truth to fit popular opinion. And boy, you can sure s- spread over some Christianity over it all. So watch out for that. And they put on a mask to cover up the motive of greed. These kind of guys, they will employ guilt-driven tasks. Or tactics, I'm sorry. Guilt-driven tactics in asking for money. Others seek glory from men, from numbers of followers. And that's, it's a difficult thing to discern. Because this one's easier to cover up and show a false humility. We've got to move on. Point number three. Authentic ministry stands with. Authentic ministry stands with or stands together. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. What do we see athletes saying on the camera, you know, from a distance? Hi, Mom. Why? Because Mom will be there. Mom is, you know, taking you to the practices. Mom is, you know, driving you all over kingdom come kind of thing. That, that, that's the connection here. And I realize it's not just mom. No, it's, it's, it can be both mom and dad very easily. But here, here's this illustration that Paul gives. There's loving devotion in this. And letter A, it's maternal-like nurture that's being shown. When someone stands with you, when someone stands together with you, there's maternal nurture, maternal-like nurture happening. Ministry and ministry leaders should reflect this in their ministry. It's so easy to picture, you know, a, a, a nursing mother tenderly caring for her baby. There's really no picture like it. And that's what Paul is pulling out here to show about how ministry ought to be happening. And then, letter B, along with maternal-like nurture, there's maternal-like commitment. In verse 8, it's, it's the idea of a yearning for 
being so involved that there is a deep pleasure in what? Look at verse 8. In imparting the gospel truth. See, that's what it's about. It's not about how wonderful people respond to you in ministry. Because sometimes in ministry, people respond in a very, you know, opposing kind of a way. They don't want to hear the truth. And so, the idea of authentic ministry is that it stands with, stands together in commitment and in nurture. Okay? It's not like I just kind of travel around dropping a message on people and then walking away. You can't, that's not what ministry is like. You don't just kind of throw the little grenade, gospel grenade message in there and kind of track away and walk off. There's involvement with people. There's time spent with people. There's energy and resources given to people. There's help and hope given to people. It's like he's saying right here in verses 7 and 8. Because true ministry is going to stand with in times of, in those kind of times. It all reflects the emphasis in the New Testament of building up, of growing in the faith, of equipping the saints for what? Ephesians chapter 4, come on. For the work of ministry. See that? The leaders need to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What kind of ministry? This is what we're talking about. First Thessalonians chapter 2. That kind of ministry. Okay? In, in Ephesians 4, it builds up to this picture of the mature man. I got to read this because of today. You know, here's today. We all kind of got blown in like the tumbleweed. We all made it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know what? Ephesians 4 says this. As a result, as a result of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves out in the surf of the sea. And we've seen that. Kids, little kids especially, all over the place, getting tossed by the waves. And carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. That's going on out there, people, in the name of ministry. And we've got to watch out for that and be on guard. So, authentic ministry stands strong, stands true, stands with, and it stands out. Number four, it stands out. Letter A as godly examples. Verse 9 and 10. For you recall, brethren... Our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Here it's mentioned again. He said it about three or four times already about the gospel of God. So letter A is as godly examples. We ministry, authentic ministry stands out with godly examples, laboring night and day, toiling night and day. That we might not be a burden to any of you. All while they proclaim the gospel. And this example goes, you see it in verse 10 also. You are witnesses and so is God how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Here's their conduct. Showing themselves as good examples in their conduct. You see that? How's our conduct, you know, Monday through Saturday? How's your conduct on the job? Is it as he describes here in verse 10? Devoutly, uprightly, blamelessly, holy. 
oh, but I'm not perfectly holy. No, you're not. In God's eyes, you are because of Jesus. But are you aiming for that in your life? Or are you just kind of letting the chips fall where they will? Hey, I'm forgiven, right? Isn't that good? No, wait, no, whoa, whoa. What about the pursuit of holiness in your life? That's what he's talking about here, that your conduct reflects what God has already accomplished in Christ. Okay? So, that's what he wants to develop in us, that kind of maturity, as is seen in verse 10. All right? So, that ought to result with a gospel-rich kind of conduct, gospel-rich conduct. Speaking truth to one another. Praising the Lord in the good times and the bad times. In the big times and the little times. A genuineness. Not something that's covered up with masks, but a genuineness in ministry. That's a gospel-rich conduct. Being ready to forgive, being ready to encourage. There's a gospel-rich conduct. So, the authentic ministry stands out with godly examples in letter B for godly purposes verse 11 and 12 just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the god who calls you into his own kingdom and glory remember we already talked about in first in chapter one that you are chosen you're chosen by god Now, your life needs to show that by, here's the response. Here's the response of my life. Here's the demonstration of being chosen. Right? And so, godly purposes comes up here so that you would walk. Your conduct, your walk, your behavior would be in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you you ever think of it that way? You think of it that it's not just about a group of people, but it's about you. You. God wants you in showing that demonstration of what he's brought forth, of what he's accomplished. He wants you to demonstrate that and shine like a light in a dark place. So, it went through exhorting. It's it, through encouragement And they charge these believers, go for it. You go for it. Okay, so true, authentic ministry is all about gospel life. Gospel life. Promoting it, nurturing it, perpetuating it, and delighting in it. That's what ministry ought to be like. And sometimes we get worn out, burned out. Bible says, don't get weary in what? In doing well. Don't get weary in doing well. And as a believer in Christ, you and I are stewards of it. Called to know it. Called to pass it on to others. Are we doing that? Are we about the the Savior's business? Are we about the Master's business? Okay. God will bless He will bless and he will lead and guide. It's his work. And here's one of the things I'll just, I know, probably admitted it before. I get in the way, way too much. 
for what God's trying Because I want to get my hands on it. I, oh, I'm the pastor. I better, I better do this and this and this. And the more we can remember it's God's work. Am I being faithful carrying the message? I'm a steward of the message. Am I carrying it forth? Am I sharing it? Are you? Are you sharing the message of the gospel? This is life. This is the way God intended it. Okay? That we talk about Jesus Christ and see fruit that is born and then brought forth for His glory. That is ministry. Now, let's shift gears. We're going to go into communion here. Our communion time. And what's the connection? What is our connection? I talked, I spent half an hour, 35 minutes talking about ministry. And now we shift to saying, oh, how are you going to do this little jump to communion? I brought up Matthew 20, 28. Where it says that he did not come to be served. All of us would have, had we been um, writing up a story like this, if he's king of kings and lord of lords, we would have been saying, oh, he came to be served. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's God. But see, it doesn't work that way with God. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many so that you could now appreciate this of remembering his death and all that transpired surrounding his death. His life was one that he came with a mission to die so that you could worship him for eternity. And he paid the price. He bore the wrath of God and he bore the sins of of all mankind in him so that here's the wrath of God poured out upon him to take that punishment that you, if you're a believer, can escape. You've escaped the wrath of God. Remember we talked about that? Would you give him heartfelt praise and thanks and your devotion here and ask him to point out things in your life as we take time to be quiet before him? Ask Him for His leading and guiding. Ask that His Spirit would point these things out to you. If you're not a believer, this is not for you. This is not for you because this is very intimate. We're consuming something that we see as a representation of His body and His blood. How can you take that if you don't believe in Him? That's a contradiction. So we, we want you to partake. We want you to ask God to examine your hearts as we do so. I'd like the men who are helping serve to come forward at this time, please.